you gotta do that. that big old sip of coffee right at the start. Mm-hmm. My favorite complaint about like the um, the top tens videos I do is you don't have to announce when you're taking a sip of coffee. But then I also got comments of like, "Hey, I'm watching this um, in the background, and when you stop to take a sip of coffee, um, uh, I don't know if my video stopped or not." <laughs> so sometimes people like, "Stop announcing that you're taking a sip of coffee, but also please continue taking a sip of coffee." <laughs> it's like, what do I do in that situation? <laughs> You know what? You continue doing exactly what you're doing, Carl. Just yeah. like that's the, you know, someone's gonna be pissed either way. I might as well do it the way I want. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess speaking of doing what we want, we mm-hmm. are doing another Wiki Weekends podcast, and we are indeed. Yes. I am your host this week, Lucas Holland, and I am joined, as always, by the lovely Carl Smallwood. Hello. And I, I don't know why I keep saying lovely every week. I used to change it up, and now I've gone yeah, into the lovely. rhythm of it. I like being lovely. It's the lovely. Because it's what you'd and, say, isn't it, when you were hosting a game show? It's like, and my lovely assistant. And you'd, like, motion towards a woman wearing an outfit. That's probably no, a bit sexist. The lovely assistant, for anyone watching at least for Carl, is Snoot. Yeah, it's look at Snoot. It's great. And Snoot is your little auntie to blush, right? It's a stuffed auntie, yes. It's just, I had it out during the stream I had the other day, and I just mm-hmm. never bothered to clear my desk. Like, I cleared <laughs> all like, the beer cans off my desk and stuff, but not this one. And for anyone watching on video, uh, you will notice that, you know, I've tried to mix things up a little bit with my uh, camera and just like try and get a better camera angle and stuff so let yeah. us know in the comments if that looks a little bit nicer and fresher for everyone yeah because there's uh, a lot of figure like in regards to um like camera composition theory and we're mm-hmm. but we're doing it basically with two ways it's possible to do a podcast of directly head-on face clear with a soft background or um with space at the side where where you put like pictures and stuff like that it's great yeah. like visual and uh you either want visual symmetry or you want it to be asymmetrical. So yeah, let us know uh, which setup won this week. <laughs> <laughs> so what's just going to say? The thing is though, we can't move our setup. I keep getting this like we don't mm-hmm. have the green screen anymore. So oh, I miss when you had the green screen. It's like so do I. It was a strong gimmick for the channel, but I've got three other recording jobs now, and they can't have the same gimmick. Because while it was a strong it's... gimmick for Fact Fiend, it'd be a bad thing to dilute that with other people's content. Yeah, I find it funny as well because you've got like the little tiny green screen like pa- piece of paper yeah. in the corner and people keep being like, oh, could you utilize that green screen? And I'm like, it's washed out and got words written all over it. It's not it's really a, a green screen. It's a little nod to the fact that we always used to have a green screen, but it's like, yeah, we've got three different videos and channels that I record for and you can't have like the same visual look across all you know we do now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess just... You know, I can't really say much to that, but welcome to our Wiki Weekdays podcast. Mm-hmm. And of course, every single week, both Carl and I bring a wiki to present to, you know, you lovely folks listening or watching. Mm-hmm. And it is your job at the end of the podcast to let us know which wiki won this week. Yes. And of course, we always mean which wiki brought the best discussion, not necessarily which one is your favorite. Oh, like, Lucas, you're telling people on the internet not to fanboy. <laughs> that's well, always what happens we discussed sonic last week so we've gotten <sighs> plenty of that out of the way i i was howling <laughs> when you sent that like a guy posted like a three thousand word rebuttal of like you need to explain exactly why you don't like each and every 3d sonic game it's like how about you fuck off the edge of my penis <laughs> like the thing is we open that video i say if you don't like it that's fine people can criticize things that you like and i think we've mm-hmm. put some pretty decent criticisms forward while also like you know keeping the flow of conversation going and also it's, trying it's never to keep enough. it like a light-hearted jokey you know kind of scenario and we even say multiple times that we like this thing we like it 
We're just going to joke about some aspects of it that aren't great, which is a thing you can do when you like something because that would suggest that you've probably consumed more of the media in question than someone who doesn't. A, we all know that nuance is dead on the internet, Carl. And B, we will never have as much experience with a dedicated, hardcore fan of one specific subject. Well, speaking of which, that's what I brought in today. Oh, so what wiki have you brought for us this week, Carl? Well, I brought a wiki from the Power Rangers wiki, Lucas. okay. And the character from Power Rangers I thought we could talk about is Lord Zed. Oh, right, okay, so one of the OGs. Yeah. So he he's from the OGs from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like the original series. He's in the movie, but he's also in uh, Mighty Morphin season two and three, Zeo Turbo, Mighty Mor- like Power Rangers in Space, Hyperforce, Dino Fury, and Cosmic Fury. He's in a lot of the show, and I'm guessing, like yourself, Lucas, your history of the Power Rangers brand is you watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as a kid, you watch the movie, you might have watched bits of Ninja Storm and Dino Fury, but then you kind of died off as you got into more things like anime and stuff. So I think. I, yeah. af, after Power Rangers, me it was Pokemon. Then after Pokemon, mm-hmm. that led me into like Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that. And Power Rangers kind of got left by the wayside. Yeah, probably similar. But I think I may have stuck with a few more seasons like of Power Rangers because I remember watching like Neo or Zeo or something, and then in mm-hmm. space, and I can't remember. And like Turbo, I, th- I did watch those first like two or three next like shows after Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, and Power Rangers, it just went on for so, so long. They're still going on, right? Yeah, there's, and, there's, and the thing as well where I say it's got a very dedicated fan base is, is like, we'll be talking broadly, mostly about Power Rangers Mighty Morphin, like seasons. That we watched as a kid, bear yeah. in mind. And there's going to be someone out there who's like obsessed with this series, who's like, you got this wrong, or it's like, it goes into more depth in the comics. Like, I'm, I'm sure it does. But I, I don't I have neither the time nor the inclination. I'd rather enjoy my nostalgia. Because mm-hmm. something I experienced, we spoke with the Sonic video. One of the things I was doing is I was watching like playthroughs of Sonic games to get clips oh, and stuff. Yeah. And the amount of playthroughs of old Sonic games that start with the like the creators going, I used to love this game as a kid. And when you fast forward half an hour and they're like, this does not hold up. I, I literally the uh the day that podcast no, the Sonic Unleashed episode went out like a few days ago. Um I sat there and played a bit of Sonic Adventure 2 because I'd just finished, like, Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2. And, um, then I was like, oh, yeah, okay, so, like, I'll go and just play a bit of Sonic Adventure 2 because we just talked about Sonic. And just getting through, like, one of the Sonic platform levels without just flying off the edge somewhere, it's, like, so difficult. And it's like the Power Rangers, like, I always have that nostalgia for it. And the only Power Rangers bit of media I ever go back and consume is the movie, because the movie is so camp mm. and so fun. Like, that's the one with Ivan Ooze, like, gnawing the scenery in every scene that he's in. Whereas the show, as we, I think everyone online knows now, it was cobbled together from, like, Super Sentai. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious, like, you just... Even just looking at it, like, the quality of the film changes. Yes. And, like, the more, obvi- like, the more subtle things, like, the Yellow Ranger in the original, like, Japanese Super Sentai is a man. So, like, the little mm-hmm. things like that. There's, like, mistakes where monsters will change their form between scenes. The explosions <laughs> don't match. The environments don't match. It's just... It's got camp value still, and the acting mm-hmm. is still so bad that it's good. But I just don't want to... The nostalgia I have for the series is too great that I'd never want to sully it. Yes. And um, one thing I will mention before we get properly into it is that I did just mention that I beat Spider-Man 2 over the weekend. Ah, yes. And I forgot to mention this in the intro. Apologies, but... Um, what we figured we'd do, because the game's only been out for like, you know, I think like 10 days I was recording, Something a lot of like people that, yeah. might not have beaten it yet, um, but what we're going to do next podcast 
is Carl and I are both going to bring a Spider-Man 2 related wiki, and we're going to just go full spoiler mode for that week and just yep. do Spider-Man 2 spoiler casts with, like, you know, a couple of relevant wikis and just basically discuss what we thought of the game. We figured we'd give people a little bit of extra time. I know there's, like, a few ones floating around already that I've seen, but, like, give people a couple of weeks to finish the game. Mate, before the game was even out, was already that um, overexposed thumbnail of the final cutscene of the game with, like, 5 million views that says Spider-Man 2 entire story cutscene 4K. Yep. 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 Speaking um, of not being in 4K, though... <laughs> Look forward to that next week. But yeah, Carl, bring us back to the Power Rangers. So, uh, if anyone doesn't know, Lord Zed, we have a quote from him here. And this is his first words when appearing in the storm clouds over the Moon Palace. I am Lord Zed, Emperor of all I see. You have failed to complete the mission assigned to you. I will now resume command. Prepare the palace for my return. And that's probably not as cl- that's as close as I can get to the voice. He's, he's got such like a growly, monstery intonation mm-hmm. to his voice and his voice and i'm curious was done by ed neal uh, that's sorry that was the suit actor and the voice was robert axelrod who was a singer and voice actor for the show i believe robert he like, helped. axelrod that's a hell of a name yeah so just to double check i'm pretty sure yeah so he was an american voice actor and musician best known for playing lord zed in the power rangers he's also known for playing microchip in spider-man the item <laughs> the animated series and wizard mon and armadillo mon in digimon <laughs> and then the voice has since been done by uh, actors like Steve Bloom, Malika Lim, Zach Eubank, Stig Eldred, Andrew Liang, and Fred Tatsaskiore. I hope I pronounced that name correctly. And that guy, if anyone's curious, you might have heard his name before, he's the guy who does the voice of the Incredible Hulk in nearly enough every animated feature. Oh, cool. So do you like that? The Incredible Hulk voice like, Leave Hulk alone! He's that mm. guy. And I think the fact that he does that and Lord Zed, but I, I can't do that growly thing with my... But I love Lord Zed's voice. It's very it's, cool, yeah. And I love the con- the contrast between him and Rita Repulsa, who's got a similar quality, but it's that, like, old woman screeching noise, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's got that, like, really kind of just... Yeah, as you say, like, that screechy but growly overtone, but it's really high-pitched, and they contrast each other really well, but... They're both so over the top. It's fantastic. They're so like, theatrical, yeah. Like, yeah. He just looks so metal as well, like the giant. He's like the buff <laughs> guy covered in armor. And like That's in the Power thing. Rangers live-action movie, I love right at the end where they're in the snow globe. Oh, and, they're both, and they're both <laughs> cheering for the power and like, go Rangers, go Rangers! Like, it is weird because like you go back and watch like Power Rangers, especially Mighty Morphin, and obviously There's so got, like, much the sexual intro. tension between him and well, Rita Repulsa. I was just going to say that it's so metal. Like, oh, the yeah. Power Ranger armor, like, the, the monsters, the, the literal theme song. Everything about Power Rangers. I wouldn't say it's metal. I'd say it's, like, I think the term is butt rock. Where but it's, like, like a power metal. Do you like, over yeah. the top, like, Dragon Force style. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it's cheesy. It knows it's cheesy. But you, you're, like, it's, it's upbeat. It's loud. It's got guitar solos. It's got dumb imagery, like, dragons and dinosaurs not- and robots. As much as, like, it is a dumb kid show, like, a lot of the imagery and a lot it's of the music cool, yeah. is, like, really kind of, I should say, like, power metal, but rock, like, considering, you know, we were kids and we didn't know better, we've probably been influenced, like, more, way more than we even realised by that. The, I, I, I struggle to think of images from my childhood that's more hype than the Green Ranger 
rocking up, playing the dagger like a flute, and fucking Godzilla turns up. Just dun, 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 diddle, dun, dun. And then, like, the fact they get into their robots by flying, kicking towards them. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Oh, but no, Lord Zed, often referring to himself as the Emperor of Evil, is the true leader of the evil space aliens and one of the main antagonists of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and one of the secondary antagonists of Power Rangers Zeo, and the main antagonist, once again, of Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. And we have, like, no, just some basic biographical information about him here. His homeworld is unknown, his gender is male, and then some. It's like, he's, he's so much man. He, he's just, he's so much man. Was it that Lord Zed was in the first season, or was Lord Zed then brought in for, like, season two as, like, a... It, yeah, I think he's gonna... season two of Mighty Morphin, where it's, like, Rita Repulsa just keeps getting a shit pushed in, and he rocks mm-hmm. up as, like, the secondary antagonist of, like... like his intro is, like, look, you failed to complete the mission, so I'm rocking up and doing this. And he continues to yeah. job just as hard. Yeah. <laughs> and my favourite bit is, like, just... The, the bits of banter between him and Rita Repulsa, especially in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, where they're just an old couple... And the decision to play them as a bickering old couple <laughs> is so good. But yeah, he, he turns up. <clears throat> and I think in maybe his first episode, he might have like been the actual like enemy that grew. And maybe. fought the Megazords. I can't remember. I remember him doing that at some point. But like, I think there's one episode again. where he does go down and does it himself. He's pissed off with a putty. He's getting their ass kicked. And then, yeah, just as you say, it just continues to, to just be a jobber for then, like, season two and three. It's like, well, if you can't get it done, what did you expect Rita to do as well? Let's be fair, though. Every single fight against the Power Rangers is, by default, five on one. It's just not fair, is it? <laughs> it's like... I mean, six on one eventually. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's just fighting the Ginyu Force, isn't it? Of, like, just fight six people at once. But I've got a, just a little thing for here, Lucas. And he has a secondary form called Master Zed, where he just yeah, gets yeah. even more metal. He's got armor on. Look at that bullshit on Discord. I forgot that he, did, he had, like, two forms. That's that's in, like, Neo or Zio or something. Oh, again. yes, yeah. When he's not just the pimp gold armour, he's got, like, the more almost, like, fleshy look to the armour. Yeah, and, like, do you care about his history at all? I guess, like, his history, but then the rest of it is just, like, here's every episode of the Power Rangers he appeared in. Mm-hmm. So he says that it's mentioned by Rita Repulsa. Again, just, I, I love their dynamic. Like, married, old, bickering couple... And Goldar's like their failure of a son who can never get anything done. Still living um, in the house with them. Just give me one sec. I just What's need that? to... I think I'm recording my screen rather than recording the Discord, like, ah, actual no. app. So when I just oh, changed my screen then, it just changed a bit. So give me a Come sec. On. So I don't know if it's done that in other recordings, but, like, I know it's still that time. Okay, so bring it back to Lord Zed's history. It's mentioned by Rita that Zed tried to take control of the Zeo crystal for himself in the ancient past. However, because the crystal was protected by a force field which damages the forces of evil, the attempts caused his skin to burn off, which gave him his appearance. Oh, that's so metal. Oh, God. And he's just, so he's just walking around as a burn victim. So the Power Rangers beating up a burn victim. Go. Due to some unspecified failure, Lord Zed stripped Goldar of his wings... And because he did not think Earth was important enough to warrant his attention, uh, being to him just a stepping stone to conquer the entire solar system, he left Rita Repulsa to conquer it herself while he pursued conquest of other systems, leaving a group of minions behind to help her. And then he comes back in season two after, like, she just gets her ass kicked. And just like, you know, obviously it's Power Rangers, it only focuses on Earth, but it never actually mentions that he was successful in taking over any other systems. Do you reckon yeah, he just, yeah. like failed and came back to her. 
It's basically like very Freezer-esque off. He's like the Emperor of Evil, like the Conqueror of various solar systems. And but that like I said, I've mentioned it multiple times, actually it got cut when we were doing like the, the screen checking thing, but the idea of choosing to play them like a bickering old married couple is so mm-hmm. funny. And that's why I said yeah. like the Power Rangers movie still holds up for pure camp of him and Rita Repulsa coming in, and then you have like Ivan Ooze come in. And I just love the part where they're all arguing with Ivan Ooze and Rita's like, finally, a real man. And Lord Zed's like, what? <laughs> he Hang gets on. offended by the idea of like, she calls him a real man and he gets offended by it. Yeah. So I said, oh. like, the amount of like sexual tension between those two is unreal. I find it really funny as well that, like, yeah, Lord Zed, emperor of evil, conqueror of systems, is like, Getting jealous of Ivan Ooze, who's like, oh, teenagers. Do the best bit as well. Like, why doesn't um, uh, Lord Zed try and take over any other city on Earth? Like, he specifically <laughs> targets Angel Grove every time. It's like, why don't you just go to, like, Sheffield? The Power Rangers are going to come to Sheffield. Start there. You think the- he can take down the steel miners, Carl? That's fair, yeah. So, like, and moving swiftly, so the history is just like every episode he appeared in, which obviously there's way too much to get into there. We just want to cover the good stuff, which is also- personality, powers, and abilities. Before the comments come on me, I know you don't mind steel. It's just the steel sea. It's just yes. making a joke. Okay. They're complaining about the Power Rangers anyway. So, personality. <laughs> and this is a quote from Lord Zed again. There is a saying in this universe. I'll do it in his voice. Fuck it. There's a saying in this universe. No peace for the strongest. Only survival. Think of all the warlords and emperors that came before me. They all failed and then were destroyed. People of power, including rangers, will always tear the top dog down. And if you're down, you're done for. The only way to survive is to stay on top. That's why I must become the most powerful being there. It's Freezer. Come on, Freezer. It's just Freezer. Yeah. It? And I love how, like, because it's so strenuous on your voice, like, you just slowly slip out. I I have big respect for any voice actor who can do specifically those kind of... I said, like, Fred um, uh, Tassaschiore, who does, like, the Hulk's Mm -hmm. voice, and he's, like, a 70-year-old man. And you see him in the recording booth doing the Hulk, and he has to do that thing, Joe, where you grab your throat. Mm -hmm. He basically has to, like, grab his throat to do the full voice. We've talked before about D. Bradley Baker, who does the voice of like the Theron guards. Yeah. Where he has to like he has to like cough up loads of phlegm into the back of his throat so we can do like the punish sort of thing. Well, um, there's a a fact going like background at the moment, um, about Matthew Lillard of like when he oh, wanted yeah. to audition for Shaggy. Screamed he, like, himself hoarse every screamed, day. Screamed, yeah. screamed until his throat was just completely fucked. Same and thing, then like yeah. just realized, oh wait. If I'm going to do this for an entire movie, this is not a viable option. I'm not going to have a voice left. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with um, uh, um, uh, David Hayter for Old Snake. He, it killed his voice so much he was doing shots of Jack Daniels between takes to, like, you know, just to deal with the pain mm-hmm. caused by his voice. And that's the thing, just imagine that Lord Zed voice, like, Rangers! It's, it's, oh, it hurts! <laughs> it does! Yeah. If you're not... Um you're not doing it in like a safe way that you've practiced yet, yeah, it can really damage your throat. Yeah, it's like, it's a, and that's one of the things of like a lot of like professional voice actors, they will say, don't, those are things that people, you'll hear those like hot, those tips, like you can smoke and drink to give yourself that voice, that husky quality. It's like a good voice actor can emulate that without damaging their body and mm-hmm. throat with um, uh, like alcohol and drugs. It's like your, your voice is your instrument, it's your livelihood, and without it, you won't be able to be a voice actor very long. So look at the most, like the most successful voice actors are still doing it long into their like sixties, seventies, eighties in some cases. Like Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor, I believe was like ninety nearly, and he still voice Ooh. acts. 
And he can still do the Skeletor voice. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, personality-wise, in his debut appearance and the 40 episodes thereafter, Lord Zed starts off as very menacing, sadistic, and megalomaniacal. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he loves it, doesn't he? he I love how it's like, starts off evil and sadistic and then just quickly becomes like... Comic relief, well, like, yeah. It, it's really hard to still be that evil, threatening person when you've been beaten like 80 times. Yeah. Um, he coldly abused his lackeys, silencing Goldar and others frequently, and blaming them for most failures rather than taking responsibility himself. Which is fair enough, yeah. Like, if you gave Rita Repulsa 85 giant monsters and she can't beat one group of like, teenagers in one <laughs> city, it's kind of... It's like, you've got... The, and what, I never understood, and I know why. It's because the episode would be five minutes long. It's like, why doesn't mm. Rita Repulsa make the monster grow right at the start? And uh, Yeah. That's the <laughs> make my monster grow! It's like, do that straight away. It's like, did you really have faith in them being like four foot tall? Did you think that that was going to work? Uh, there we go. So, however, um, during and after the episode The Wedding, thanks to Rita Repulsa's love potion, his personality changed to a mostly loving and caring a person around Rita exclusively, but he still abused her and others when he didn't get his way. For example, during their first marital argument, he silenced Rita and demanded her, her respect from him when she blamed him for their most recent failure and then refused to comply uh, to her listening to him and then on. Which is not well written, which is the Power Rangers no. wiki give us a little bit of. And that again, like in the Power Rangers, the movie, where Ivan Ooze just like throws the goo at like Rita Repulsa. Like, Finally, someone shut her up. <laughs> it's like. It's just a bickering old couple. That's the thing is, the Power Rangers wiki might not be like, you know, written well, but neither is the Power Rangers, so. It's fine. What, yeah. what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Lord Zed. <laughs> harbored a lot of disrespect for his in-law, Master Vile, especially when he got pushed to the side and also expressed disdain for having stopped them from destroying Angel Grove. He's shown to hate being called Ed as he yells at Rito and Alpha 5 when they call him that. Zed also showed some sexist traits as seen in Best Man for the Job when he called Rita Repulsa incompetent because of her gender and for no other reason. There it is, old bickering married couple. Show written in the 90s. I was going to say, yeah, that's a... That's a show from 30 years ago. Thing is, though, like, Rita Repulsa, have you seen, like, in that Power Rangers fighting game, Rita Repulsa's in it, and she's got, like, fly-on-fly Doctor Doom-style combos. She's unstoppable. <laughs> is it, like, classic Mighty Morphin Rita? Uh, yeah. It's not oh, the same wow. voice actors, obviously, but it's classic Rita, and you have classic yeah. Lord Zed. Yeah, because, like, obviously there's, um like, the Rita Repulsa design for the Power Rangers movie, where... Obviously, it was like a much younger woman. God, that that movie sucks so much ass. It would it, it was just bland. Which like, how do you make Power Rangers bland? Yeah, it's, it's like, like it was it was okay acted. It you know casted shot. It was fine, but like the fact that Power Rangers was fine and a bit boring was like, how do you manage this? Mm-hmm. And Joe is the ending to his story is in regards to his personality and. Characterization. He became the main antagonist of Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. In the final battle, he became trapped in a fantasy slash nightmare uh, where he had destroyed the Power Rangers and conquered the entire universe, but was now stuck catering to the whims of his wife, Rita Repulsa, <laughs> for all of eternity. So they've become a married, bickering couple for all eternity. He gets to rule the universe, but he's got to do it with Rita Repulsa. I do like that as an idea of like, oh yeah, he finally gets his way and realizes he has no drive left in the world. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like, again, it's the freezer thing of like, he wants to conquer the universe, 
but he's bored. But he's bored. He's so powerful. Nothing challenged. And it's like I think it's the same thing with like Lord Zedov. He secretly really does love the constant conflict of the Power Rangers. It gives him something to do. Mm-hmm. Like complete and total unchecked power is like a life without challenge, which would be like you know it'd be just endlessly frustrating. Mm-hmm. And we do have powers and abilities. So should we discuss the powers and abilities of Master Zed? Yeah, I'm curious what like actual powers they have besides like oh they're strong and can make creatures grow yeah so powers just his overall like inherent latent magical power so Mm -hmm. lord zed was more powerful than any of his minions and the original power rangers possibly being on par with zordon himself in terms of overall sheer power his powers while formidable are still weaker than characters like master vile king mondo and dark specter classic you know like um uh shonen trope there of there's always a stronger villain but because mm-hmm. he's the most popular one, he keeps coming back and getting more power anyway. Yeah. Uh, though, to his credit, Lord Zed is the better known and more feared villain of the four, um, being one of the most notorious villains in Power Ranger history. Yeah, another, like, perfect allegory for Freezer, isn't it? Of, like, well, he was the most popular, so we kept just bringing him back with big, bigger upgrades. Yeah, uh, super strength. Uh, Lord Zed has superhuman physical strength. Being able to pick up the character Void Knight, clear above his head with one hand and send him flying across the room. Um, with a throw. He did the same thing to Slither, um, sending them flying across the room with a single kick. And I'm just imagining doing, like, the fucking Sparta kick. Like, <laughs> the Lord Zed kick. Immortality. Lord Zed has known to have lived for at least 10,000 years without aging a single day. Again, yeah. Infinite power and immortality are like, how, how would you end up not just being bored? Yeah. Uh, growth bomb generation. Lord Zed could generate white lightning around his palm to generate a grenade, which he could then throw to the earth or explode upon contact on the ground, and the explosion would enlarge the monster. Sometimes the monster would grab it and slam it on the ground themselves. And the fact that he's throwing a grenade all the way to earth with that accuracy <laughs> is like unbelievable. Like it's like Joan Reed Repulse like throws the like her staff. And she mm-hmm. throws it all the way from the moon to a specific spot on planet Earth with pinpoint accuracy every single time. It's like when you put Call of Duty to veteran difficulty, isn't it? And just like, every grenade lands exactly at your feet, and you're like, no, stop. Here's Go back and play the original Modern Warfare on veteran difficulty. Grenades roll uphill. <laughs> <laughs> grenades are so terrifying. Conjuration. He was able to conjure objects out of thin air, such as his staff or, or growth bombs. He has telescopic vision. His vision was so accurate, he could see what was happening on Earth just by looking at the planet. Oh and that's the thing is that, yeah, he just looks at the planet and knows what's going on. <laughs> Because I was thinking, like, doesn't um, Rita use, like, the crystal ball or whatever yeah, to see Lord what's Zed going on? Yeah, doesn't need that. He just looks yeah. and sees it. You can also <laughs> see what's happening on another planet. Um, because he just looked... At, they went to a planet called Edenoi, and he just looked over where it was and saw the Power Rangers. Oh my God. Teleport, he could teleport to any known location. Uh, electric strike. He could charge his fist with white electricity and slam it down his balcony railing. We enough force to bend the metal. Okay. It's not quite uh, as impressive as, like, you know, the other abilities he's got, but yeah. yeah. Uh, he can summon lightning bolts, dimensional gateway opening. He was able to open a dimensional gateway to a lost universe to blast the Power Rangers through. <laughs> but his bad aim made the scheme a dismal failure. How was his aim that bad if he could throw the grenade all the way to Earth? <laughs> Telepathic communication. Um, Zed was able to focus his mind and talk to a villain telepathically. He has power sleep. 
Lord Zed was able to recharge his power by going to sleep once every 100 years. How long he had to do this at a time remained unclear, since Rita's love potion interrupted it, but it was to last at least several hours. Hours? To recharge every 100 years? God, if only. Shockwave brain blast. Um, uh, In one fight scene, Lord Zed was able to fire a pink shockwave-like blast from his brain, strong enough to knock down all five rangers with a single hit. Lightning beams. He can shoot lightning beams at the same kind of ability. Monster creation. Um, Rita and Zed could do a synchronized dance to chant and fire forth orange energy projections of their faces that created the hate master. (laughs) They do a fucking... They do the... uh, What's it called? The Patara dance. No, it's Patara earrings and the... uh, What's the dance? I think it's just the fusion dance, isn't it? Fusion dance. To create... like They just do a fusion dance and create like a super rage monster. I don't remember what the hate master was, but yeah. The fact awesome. they're just firing giant copies of their faces just down Andros to Earth. It's coming in. <laughs> uh, abilities, hand-to-hand combatant. Uh, outside of his vast magical capabilities, Lord Zed proved to be an excellent hand-to-hand fighter, easily defeating Tommy in battle. So he's able to defeat like the white, the green, the black, the red, every ranger, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, he used box strikes and staff wings combined with his formidable magical abilities, while Tommy resorts to his usual martial arts. He was also stronger than Void Knight and his minions, and also defeated all five Dino Fury Rangers, as well as Wolfgang and Brian Blast with ease. And that's the thing as well, of like, it's that thing of like, the villain is stronger than all his minions, he just doesn't want to do it. Yeah, and like, it, it's obviously like, for dramatic effect, he's every now and then got to be able to like, nearly defeat the Power Rangers, but then he, he can't ultimately, and they've got to defeat him in some bullshit way, but when you add up all those powers of like, well, he's got several blasts that can take out the entire Power Rangers team in one go. Just do that Plus, like teleportation, dimension portals, like immortality. And, like, and, what are you doing? And Why usually with stuff like this, it's the weakness is ego. Yeah. He's like, he could do that, but he doesn't want to. He wants to defeat them in a way that makes him feel smart. Like, he mm-hmm. could go down and beat him up with his bare hands. That just doesn't feel very satisfying. And again, it's that thing is that he wants to do it in a way that feels satisfying and just blow him up. Like, he could blow the planet up if he fucking wanted to. <laughs> Probably, yeah. But where would be the satisfaction in that? So, uh, expert tactician, Lord Zed, also seems to have a more tactical mind compared to his subordinate and wife, Rita Repulsa. Many of his plans involve trying to cause confusion or division among the Rangers, seeing as he realised their teamwork was their greatest asset. And that's where, like, you know, the takeover, like, Tommy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't understand why you can't just teleport in when, like, all in separate classes and just stab them in the back. Yeah. Just, go just imagine class. he just he, yeah he just rocks up while they're just high school kids at school like just what do you That's do? Like just blow, just drop the fucking moon on the planet. <laughs> Psychological warfare concerning his monsters, Lord Zed also tends to create them from items personally important to one or more of the Rangers, attacking them psychologically as well as physically in the hopes of making them useless um, in his war with Zordon. Mm-hmm. Just we all know that those thirty-year-old teenagers they can be quite uh, hormonal. Yeah, good American football player. In the episode, fourth down and long, Lord Zed was skilled at playing football with the creature Centiback. Just imagine! Centiback, oh him my playing god. American football and like dancing on the fucking like 10 yard line. <laughs> He's also an expert Zord pilot. He was able to expertly pilot um, uh, Serpentera with no issues in the wedding part three. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of wish that there would be more evil Zords. That would be kind of cool. 
I just love the idea that I think there is, like you said, there's an episode where he just becomes big himself and just goes down and beats up the Zord. Yeah. Uh, weaknesses, laws of nature. Lord Zed apparently could not defy the laws of nature or the universe, which was explained by Zord on in one episode. Uh, when the writer was trying to explain why he couldn't just use magic to germinate the terror blossom seeds without needing a heat source. He also, despite being immensely powerful as a wizard, um, requires his Z staff to use most of his magic. If it was yeah. broken, as happened when he fought Tommy, he would have been able to fight or cast spells, forcing him to retreat. I, mean, I guess that makes sense in terms of like a magical character with a staff. Is like yeah. most most fiction they require the staff to do the, the the complex magic. And speaking of his staff, that has its own powers and abilities. It's lightning generation, monster creation, monster materialization, Z putty creation, vaporization, mind control. Wind generation, resurrection, conjuration, and communication. He was also able to curse objects with his staff, cause monsters to grow, fire lasers, energy fields, and fireballs. He, he, that staff is like basically the avatar. It's got yeah. like control over all the elements. It also looks rad as fuck. It is a great bit of branding. So it's got a big Z on it. <laughs> yeah. And I do love the episodes where you can tell the actor can't see, so he went, he holds his staff the wrong way around. Oh, always, really? always, yeah, sometimes he just holds his staff the wrong <laughs> way around. So like the Z's the wrong way around. Uh, and then we have some notes and trivia to end on a little bit of notes and trivia about um, uh, Lord Zed. That sounds good, yeah. So Lord Zed was the first Power Ranger villain to be Power Rangers exclusive and not derived from the Super Sentai series. So he's a wholly original Power Rangers creation, which is why I wanted to talk about him. Right, he's the yeah. first like wholly original thing they created for the series. Right? He's not at all in the... Um, like uh, the Super Sentai series, which is why it's funny that they created their own OC and then made him marry Rita Repulsa. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, di- difficult because, like, obviously it's hard to remember what each episode looked like spliced up, but I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, they could just film scenes with him just, like, on the side. Yeah. In, like, the thing, and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to make my monster grow or whatever, and then throw a staff, and then all of a sudden the monster grows. Well, that's one of the and fascinating, that yeah. footage and, one of the fascinating yeah. things about the show is how they cobbled it together. And I think at some point they did get, like, Super Sentai Studios. Like, can you just send us the old costumes for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series? I mm. think it was like, I think it was for them, it was like Zoo Ranger something or other. They just got sent them because obviously in Japan, every couple of years they just reboot the entire series. So they had the old costumes lying about. So they sent them through to America so they could film their own stuff. Like, for example, like characters taking the helmet off, mm-hmm. things like that. They wanted to have like more shots of the characters out of the costumes or like halfway dressed into them to create more yeah. um, uh, verisimilitude of the universe. And that's kind of like why I think it's fun to go back and watch the movie more so than the TV show, I should say, because. Obviously, all of that is shot just for the movie's sake, so there isn't that awkward transition of like chopping and changing. Yeah, um, and it just it feels more as it should. It feels more all together because it was literally made all together. And for me as well, it just feels like it's there's a couple of moments that I maybe top it, but for me, it is the quintessential Power Rangers experience. The only other one that might top it, I'm not gonna. There's not that episode that they filmed. Where like because they couldn't get half the people back anyway, so it feels kind of shitty. Mm. Do you know that one for Netflix where they try to bring everyone back but they couldn't? Oh, uh, I thought you were originally talking about like the one where there's like ninety Rangers on screen. No, that that I'll just say there's that one which is Rangers Forever, which is mm. where they have like every single Power Ranger turn up, including the Mighty Morphin Power, and it's fucking sick. And it's the yeah, one where you have like like fifteen Red Rangers, <laughs> and you also have Forever Red, which is every Red Ranger at once fighting. 
But then there's oh, also cool. and then there's one season where the gimmick was is that they can turn into Power Rangers from other seasons. Ooh. And they have an episode they go Mighty Morphin, and it's like fuck it. And the outfits look so good because obviously it's the updated versions. Like in the movie, they've got like the armor and stuff on there, mm-hmm. which looks better for a movie, but it's not the classic design. And they have the no, updated like spandex designs in that show, and that's pretty good. But still, I do think. One of my favourite things about the movie version, though, is that you get little headlights in the eyes my, on the my helmet. Fa- my favourite bit about that is all the bullshit stuff they have for one scene, where it's like, activating power scope, and he just has like a visor <laughs> that scans the dark for like 12 seconds. <laughs> or when Kimberly whips out like the pterodactyl thunder whip, and she just has the, one of the best voice lines, I'm like, never leave home without it. She just whips oh, out like the little whip, and all it does is just hit people in the throat. And yeah, it's literally one scene where they're like, here's all the gimmicks to never be seen again. Which I thought was fun. Like, they're all references yes. to like, old stuff from the show, and I like that. Or like, where Sabah comes in, and Sabah just fucking annihilates everyone. <laughs> so it's like, he throws it as the sword, but then the sword just flies, flies like- <laughs> around and just shoots lasers just instead. shoots a little <laughs> shitty laser out of his eyes. That looks so bad. <laughs> She just goes, and it's so shit, but I love it. I love that how bad it is, and I love mm. that it captures the feeling of watching. Because like, when you're watching it as a kid, that's what you imagined it was like. Yeah. And I was literally doing that, you know, in my living room with all my Power Rangers toys, like pretending to recreate that shit because it was fun. That's what that would have been, yeah. And as an adult, I really appreciate, like I said, Lord Zed. Cause we all know the villains are always the funniest part of movies like that. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, Ivan Ooze is clearly. The actor apparently was having so much fun. Oh, yeah, it seems like, like it. You can tell that he was having so much fucking fun. Like, where I mean, he's just, like, saying, I smell teenagers. I was going to say, we always refer to, like, just, like, yeah, that intro of his. It's so iconic of him immediately, like, birthing and just being, like, teenagers. I, I still smell think, them. Yeah, one of the funniest things in the entire, like, film. And it's a little detail that I missed for years. And it's just one of those things that he's just so stupid. And he's like, when he first gets born, there's like police line, do not cross tape in front of him. And he just walks mm-hmm. through and it catches fire. <laughs> he just, I don't know why that little detail, he just walks through and it catches fire. Because obviously he's just got magic powers, like fuck it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, Lord Zed from the Power Rangers. Like, hot damn. Oh, what a character. Yeah, and just, I mean, what a character, what a show, what a fantastic series from such a dumb idea of like, we're just going to take Super Sentai footage and fart it out. And yep. it's like, yep. I, oh, man, do you remember that like season of Super Sentai where that, the gimmick was trains? I don't remember that. But... <laughs> do you know why? That did not sell well over here. Because obviously you went from dinosaurs <laughs> to ninjas to dinosaurs again to spaceships. Mm-hmm. And then one season was just trains. And like, How do we <laughs> sell this? Yeah. Americans don't know what public transport is. Yeah, like... Trains can be cool, but can they be cool as, like, space dinosaurs? Godzilla. Yeah. Like White Falcon Zord, let's go. (laughs) I still love the bit where the White Falcon Zord comes in. It's like, yeah, White Falcon Zord, let's go. So cool. What have you brought for us, Lucas? Uh, I've brought for us a nice little break so I can run the toilet. Perfect. Yes, I'll get myself another coffee, but hell goddamn yeah. And after the break, we're going to be talking about some Mario. (gasps) Exciting. We are back. We are indeed, yes. You mentioned something about Merio? I did indeed, but I was just going to say, you know, before we get into my wiki, have you got anything that you'd like to plug this week? Oh, nothing besides my um, my streams and stuff. 
So if you want to see like some high pass shit, you can check out my streams. Every Friday, uh, Metal Gear Vengeance with a few beers. Let's go. I mean, I will also plug my uh, my Twitch, of course, and Carl is at Carlswood, um, and I am Legend of Canto. You can find links to both of our Twitches down below. But also for anyone that, you know, is a fan of our Fat Fiend work, just a reminder that there's, like, some new merch on oh, yes, pre-order at the too. moment as well. Warm I'll wait for the next so, video I do. Yes, yes. It's on pre-sale for a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, until, like, November 8th, I think. Uh, Somewhere the Secrets t-shirt. Uh, so if you're, you know, listening, like, the first week this is published, we do have um, a new t-shirt up for pre-order, and we also have some new enamel pins you can go get as well. Yes, which are based on the Fact Fiend design, uh, reimagined as a chibi girl. You know what, people like cute anime girls, so turn my logo into one. Easy money, right? That's really cute, yeah. I really like the the, uh, the pins and the emotes and stuff you made from that. Yeah, it's like their emotes on my channel, and just one of them just like pointing at the screen saying, every time someone subs, it just points and goes, you've got a big dick. Like, there you go. <laughs> so, like, why not? Why not just, just compliment people on like the width and girth? And, um, you know, subbing over on my channel helps towards Carl and I playing Mass Effect 2 soon. Yes, Mass Effect Mondays. Mass Effect Mondays may return for Mass Effect 2, and presumably, like, eventually 3, if it can hit that goal as well. And then Andromeda, so we can just, like, leave it on and turn the channel off. <laughs> just the death of the channel. Just, I'm just watching Andromeda not play itself. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, thank you for listening to all those, and go check out the links down below. I'll pop the, the merch link as well um, in there for everyone that wants to go check that out. But, Carl... I wanted to talk about Mario because, of course, Super Mario Bros. Wonder just recently released. And it did, yes. I have not had the chance to play it yet because I'm budgeted in for like, Christmas and stuff. So I'm like, yes. I guess I'll just ask for that for a present or something. There was a lot of games out. We had, what, within the space of about four months, we had Mortal Kombat 1, Tekken 8's coming out. There's been Baldur's Gate. There's been more, uh, um, Resident Evil 4 came out a couple months before that. Like Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man, yeah, um, Alan Wake's just come out. Yeah. Yeah, Mario. And there's been a ton of games over just the last couple of months alone. Yeah, I have seen the break. This might be one of the best games. Like, since, like, 1998 and 2010, this could be one of the strongest years in gaming. It, it probably will end up being, yeah, by the time you, like, add everything up. Like, how many, like, just nigh-on perfect games have come out just this year alone. Yeah. There's like returns to form of like you know, classic yes. series as well as like new series and sequels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yes, I I thought, you know, in terms of Mario, we could go back to where it all began, which, you know, you could be argued is like three different points in time. Yeah, it's like, where did Mario come from? It's like, well, was, is it the first Mario game? Is it like um, Donkey Kong? Um, yeah, because there's like Donkey Kong where Mario first appeared. There's and the... was playable there. And then there's also the fact that, like, Mario Bros. But we are, of course, talking about just the most famous one of them all, which is Super Mario Bros., the beginning of that series. Yes. And we are, of course, talking about, yeah, the uh, 1985 NES game or Nintendo Entertainment System game. And that is the successor to the 1983 arcade game Mario Bros. And the first game in the Super Mario series released for the Famicom in Japan. Possibly one of like the strongest, simplest, and most versatile naming conventions for a sequel. And mm-hmm. like, oh, it's the sequel, what's it got? Super. It's, it's yeah. everything you loved about the original, mm-hmm. souped up. It's super. And where's the super switch? Like, yep. if 
please call it the Super Switch. Like, Super Switch, Super Nintendo Entertainment. It's like the fact that they refuse to acknowledge it. It's like the Super mm-hmm. Wii, the Super Switch. Yeah, the the Wii U was not it. Just go back to calling your, your sequel, like, console, the Super Switch. If they call it the Super Switch, the the Swer. I mean, then we just call it the <laughs> Switch. And, um, yeah, it actually got a US release um, for the NES, and it doesn't actually say when the NES version came out. Oh, no, there you go. Um, so it was ported to International Arcades in 1986, and then the NES received a version for North America and PAL feel- regions in 1987. That feels like such a weird game to play in an arcade. It does, yeah. It's like, I guess there is still, like, the three live system and all that, and then when you get game over, you just start again. So it mm-hmm. does make sense, but it's not as much like a traditional arcade game as, like, you know, most of the, like, the the single-screen arcade games, like Pac-Man or something like that. Yeah, I, I do know that, like, Mario is one of the closest games we've gotten to being solved. Because, uh, like, spe- have you seen the breakdown from speedrunners of, like... Mario is probably the closest game we're ever going to get because obviously as games get more complex, the things you can do to ma- like maximize the efficiency you play becomes like infinite. Whereas with Super Mario, like the the most possible perfect run has gone through like two and sister speed running of like basically getting a computer to play through frame by frame is mm-hmm. only literally frames away from what humans are capable of. Like with like this close to perfecting Mario. Yeah, I was gonna say like. I'm pretty sure we're only literally like within a few frames away from like somebody playing the most perfect game of Mario possible. No, like a theoretically perfect run through the game that where no time whatsoever is wasted. And that's the thing is like it that sounds ridiculous, but when you think the speedruns of that game are like what sub five minutes? About five minutes, yeah. So like speedrunners just can churn and churn and churn. Like this, it's not one of those. Speedruns where you're like, oh, well, I did that in like five hours and 50 minutes instead of five hours and 49. It's like, no, it's a few minutes. I do like and- that you've seen the speedrun for Baldur's Gate 3. You, you, no? kill one, you kill one of your party members, shove her in a barrel and throw her at the final boss. And you can complete the entire game in five minutes. That like- That sounds like those Far Cry ones where it's like, oh, yeah, you can just like kill the boss immediately or just wait in a room. Yeah. I, I I do really appreciate ones like that, but it does make, I guess, for a, a boring like AGDQ run. Yeah, but you just put your teammate into a barrel and throw them out of bounds, <laughs> and it just it happens to land exactly where the final boss is, so the final boss just dies in the credits roll. Oh god, that's great. Yeah, I do I do appreciate any game that's like, well, the boss is dead. Like game's over, I guess. Yeah, and it does fulfill like the perfect role playing kind of. Experience. That's D and D, isn't it? Like, you know, I just min max the fuck out of it, so it's not fun to watch anymore. There's <laughs> nothing more not like D and D. There's nothing more D and D than someone min maxing it to the point where it's not fun. So mm-hmm. every time I play that game, someone's like, "Well, well, the first thing you want to do is respec all your characters to give them like the maximum twenty points in the only stat that matters for their damage." It's like, well, that's <laughs> oh, no fun. Yeah. And it's like every time you say, "Oh, this boss fight, this fight's a bit difficult." It's like, well, you need to respect your character. It's like, I don't. It's a role playing game. And I don't want to role play as a perfect, incorruptible cinnamon bun because that's not fun. And so the, the people are like, what do you mean? But you want to min-max everything so you win all the time, right? I mean, so, I guess. 
Sometimes yes, that's it's, fun for some people. Sometimes it's the journey. Speaking of the journey, how has the journey of Mario come to existence? Well, um, I mean, the journey of Mario is that, you know, the player controls Mario and they traverse across the Mushroom Kingdom to rescue Princess Toadstool from yeah, King she, Koopa. She was Toadstool then. It was King Koopa, not Bowser. Yeah, so it was Princess Toadstool and King Koopa, which obviously then later down the line became um, Peach and Bowser. So where, where do you fall on this then? Because like, this is like our generation's equivalent of like Marathon becoming Snickers. And like, do you like adults still refer to like Snickers bars as Marathon because that was the name they got for a rebrand? Do you still consider oh, Princess right. Peach to be Princess Toadstool and Bowser to be King Cooper? Not really. I don't think that like it lasted long enough in my lifetime for it to really have an impact. Like, I, I did play um, Super Mario All Stars as a kid and Mario World, and like, um, yeah, the, they were there. But I think it was even from like Super Mario sixty four when I was four years old. That like Princess Peach was Princess Peach, I believe, mm-hmm. and it's as well. Just like it's, be- I think the names work better. I think Princess Peach is a much better name because the alliteration, whereas Bowser sounds scarier than King Cooper. Like King Cooper still has the alliteration, but it's not as funny. Like it, it sounds funnier than Bowser. Like Bowser has, yeah, just it sounds threatening. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like they are still Princess Peach and King Bowser, but yeah. they're just colloquially known as just Peach and Bowser nowadays, but. I think the king part of it sounds more intimidating, but again, he's still technically named King Bowser now. He still wears a crown every now and again. And um, just, yeah, like, I, I guess I just prefer the, the names now because we've had them for a lot longer. I'm sure if we'd spent, like, our entire childhood knowing them as Toadstool and Cooper, we probably, again, yeah, just wouldn't have let go of those names. But yeah, um, it's just... Literally just, you know, you traverse across side-scrolling stages while avoiding hazards such as enemies and pits with the aid of power-ups such as the Super Mushroom, the Fire Flower, and the Star Man. Here's a thing for me as well. Have you ever heard, have you ever partaken in the argument of what is Mario's default state? Yeah, because technically, like, when you're Mario that's bigger, you're Super Mario there. Yeah, but that's like his default state for pretty much every 3D game. And that's what he... Is drawn as like on the box art and yeah. everything. Like, is Super Mario his default state, and little little Mario, small Mario, as he's often called, is that is that like him when he's in the human world? I, maybe because he doesn't grow anymore, does he? In later games, he doesn't grow bigger when he uses a mushroom. No, but does that imply that when you're playing like Super Mario sixty four or Mario Odyssey or whatever, like when you get a mushroom and don't grow, that means you're already in the super form? Yeah. Like, that's that's just... what that's implying, right? Like, I do like though Squat Mario from Super Mario RPG. Oh, I love like Squat like, when he, cr- just... he crouches and hides under his hat. It's so good. Oh no, I don't mean while he's squatting. I mean like in Super Mario RPG, Mario's like character model is just really like squat and fat. Oh yeah, because it's uh, for the sprite work, of course. Yeah, to mm. make more um, visually differentiated from Luigi. And I do really enjoy the fact that they've kind of kept with that art style for the remake as well. Like, they haven't mod- you know, made a modern Mario and just made him look like he normally does. It's like they've really kept to that design for the original Super yeah, Mario they just It's such a flawless design. It's so perfect. Mm. So I think, we've, I think we've talked about in the past, and it's a great breakdown I, I like of um, a good character design is one that a five-year-old can draw 
and an adult can tell what that character is. That's a good yeah. character. That's mm-hmm. like, and do you think like all the best like character designs like Mario, Pikachu, like a lot of like the more popular Pokemon, Link, like yeah, a, a five year old like, could draw that character from memory, and as an adult, you go, I know who that character is. You know, say for example, Mario or Luigi, it's just like red and blue dungarees with a red hat or, yep. you know, green and blue dungarees for Luigi with a green hat. Yep. And then, like, Link, just the green tunic with the a green, green tunic hat. Yep. It's And that's what I love about that. And that's why when we talk about character designs, like, well, it's over-designed or it's too edgy. So they, it, there's too much, it's too busy. There's, there's too much going on. And Mario mm-hmm. just, I've always appreciated, they've never, they've, and we, little every now and again, they try, say, oh, it's a, like, what is it, Mario Sunshine? He wears sleeve, shorter sleeves now because it's a bit sunny. Yeah, and he has the flood backpack, of course, but that's more gameplay yeah. mechanics. But he always wears those red overalls. Like, that's always mm-hmm. his default outfit. And it's like, because Mario is Apart pure. from when you unlock the Hawaiian shirt and shades at the end of Super Mario Sunshine for, like, that's completion the, bonus. And it's like, that's the one. That's when he's truly on holiday. But I, I appreciate that, that like, they've, they've realised we've got one of the most easily identifiable, widely recognised designs of any character in western fiction why would we not you know obviously comes from japan like in fiction almost and mm-hmm. like why would we and ever change it there's that argument isn't there of um especially since the movie came out is like if you would ask a kid now or like even a younger person now is mario way more famous and recognizable than mickey mouse is oh absolutely like not not necessarily the mickey mouse like you know logo, head, yeah. the logo yeah but mickey mouse as a character no, that's it. And Mickey Mouse like, is mostly used for like marketing purposes. Yeah, and there is that um, that animated Mickey show nowadays. Which so Mickey really does good. have like an animated presence. So it looks really good, yeah. Um, but Mario's just obviously everywhere now, and like I don't know anyone that hasn't played Mario Kart at some point in their life with like Mario Kart Eight Deluxe selling like fifty something million copies or whatever. Yeah. It's the thing that goes around every now and again, isn't it? Of like what is the most recognizable character? And it's usually like a three way tie between Mario, Pikachu and Hello Kitty. Hmm. Yeah. And um it does say here as well. Um according to the this Wikipedia page, we're just on Wikipedia, um, that it is cited as one of the greatest games of all time, of course. Um, it's been re-released on most Nintendo systems, is one of the best-selling games of all time, with more than 58 million copies sold worldwide. And I'm like, I wonder what Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has sold. Like, has it approached the sales of Super Mario Brothers? Last thing, like, GTA has sold, like, what, 100 million copies? Something crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't like that they always compare stuff from the past to stuff now. It's like, okay, well, back then, though, computer games were a much more niche thing. Yes. Like selling 50 million copies of a video game at a time when gaming was so niche and so, like, not ostracized, but, you know, the term, like, it was looked down upon as a thing for children compared mm-hmm. to nowadays where it's just like, oh, it's another form of entertainment. It's like when they compare, like, music sales. I'm like, oh, this, the new Taylor Swift album got the most streams of anything, any artist in history. It's like, yeah, because... It's just day, more day accessible one, now. Day one, 100 million people can access it pretty much for free by just clicking on a button. Mm-hmm. that's way different from going out and physically buying an album and like every day more and more people are getting devices and internet access and stuff that will allow them to be able to do that so naturally as the market continues to expand you'll keep breaking records similar with video games yeah and that's why like the video game market is still expanding and it's 
records get broken every year. Like Spider Man Two is like according to PlayStation like their new fastest selling game of all time, and it's like yeah, that's going to keep happening as like more and more people start gaming. Yeah, and it's it feel, always feels bad. And that's why some of those records from so long ago that are still. Like the fact that this game that was released at a time when getting a playing a Super Mario game was admittedly a very it was very difficult because you act mm-hmm. like you know consoles weren't popular they were expensive it was a new piece of technology it was widely like looked down upon by traditional media they didn't have advertising budgets it wasn't like you know the monolithic corporation it is today that basically is like an entire arm of entertainment in of itself. Yeah, like nowadays, gaming's bigger than like movies and TV. Yeah, and the Whereas, fact that even then, it's still sold like fifty million like copies. Yeah, well, You're, no, it it that to be clear in, in totality. I mean, yeah, it sold fifty-eight million copies across every single console it's released on, which is impressive. And the NES, I did look up, has sold just under sixty-two million. Um, but okay. we don't know how many copies of that were sold specifically on the NES and yeah. like. But yeah, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is at like 55 point something. So it is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe just on the Switch, not even Mario Kart 8. Just Deluxe has sold nearly as much as like 30 something years of Wait, Super uh, Mario Bros. How many copies of Wii Sports? That's the, that's I mean, the one. That's a, Wii, that... Wii, Wii Sports is the one because that came free with every Wii. And but every, so did and Super they sold Mario like 200 Bros, million right? fucking Wiis. Oh, that's true, Super yeah. Mario Bros was a, a pack in game with Pretty Duck much, yeah. Hunt for the NA, NES. Um, God, and again, I wasn't game. alive when the NES came out, so like, I might get the details wrong of like when and when it wasn't a packing game and stuff. But yeah, it, I believe it was with Duck Hunt for a while. Yeah, and it's we all owe as well, Rob. Like, whenever you talk about gaming, you've got to, like you know pay big respects to Rob, saving gaming, Rob the robot, mm. your robotic operating buddy. Like, if it wasn't for Rob, we'd have no gaming because he, he literally saved gaming. gaming. The video game market crashed a few years before Super Mario Bros. came out, mm-hmm. and then the NES was sold as a toy. way to get your toy to play the games. Yeah, like, so Rob the, was the sold, toy yeah. was Rob. Yeah. yeah, they sold Rob, and it's like it's not a video game console; it's a toy that plays video games. And that distinction mm-hmm. was enough to avoid the stigma that had been attached to video games after the crash of like, you know, the Atari crash. People like, point the blame at E.T., which is just like a nice, simple way. It's a lot more complicated than that, but ultimately it's part of why it happened of just too many shitty cash grab games, not enough like yeah, interest. It, the market was just flooded with shovelware in general and people just lost complete faith in the video game industry in general. Yeah. And um, E.T. is a great big example of one of the biggest letdowns, but it, it's the it wasn't point. just E.T. Yeah, it's yeah. the tipping point, isn't it? Quite literally, because they tipped them all into a fucking um, <laughs> big hole in the desert. And um, yeah, Super Mario Bros. is credited alongside the NES as one of the key factors in reviving the video game industry after the 1983 crash. And it also popularized the side-scrolling platform game genre because it was uh, it was one of, if not the first example of when I mentioned earlier, like a single screen game, um, rather than a game going like, here's one screen, move on to the next. Yeah, it, it had smooth scrolling. As well, uh, we always bring it up, but was that like phenomenal breakdown that goes around every now and again, like the first screen of Super Mario might be one of the single greatest achievements in video gaming of like every single aspect of gameplay is taught to you in this first screen. Everything mm-hmm. you need to know to play this game is contextually explained whether you know it or not. Like, you are taught um, to play everything you need for the game in this first screen. Exactly, yeah. It's like a perfect mini-tutorial at the very start of the first level, and it pretty much just 
regardless of like no need to tell you with text or anything like that it just kind of you know there's been lots of breakdowns you can go watch one but yeah it just forces the player into knowing what's going on almost immediately and um yeah it's it's very interesting because like i'll just you know you go through here it's like developers nintendo r&d for because you know they're very creative with the names of the studios. Uh, just when, when they're going to call their company like Super Nintendo? <laughs> I just they rebranded their brand as like Super Nintendo. Um, maybe that's what can happen if like the Switch beats the PS2 in sales. They become Super Nintendo. It's like yes, I have seen like the yeah they've uh, what is it patented a Switch with two screens. It's like clamshell designs are back, baby. <laughs> uh, br- bring back the DS. I do and do want it because like as much as. I enjoy the the dual screen gaming. It does then mean porting it to any other system as a fucking ball. Like. It is, yeah. It's like trying to like go back and play DS and 3DS games now. It's like, well, you can't play them on the Switch. Like, I've got some on the, the Wii U, but like, I can't buy games on the Wii U anymore and they barely ported any anyway. Uh, yeah, it just becomes a nightmare going forward mm-hmm. for someone who, who wants to go play like old games. It It's... And fair enough, they weren't oh, anticipating that people would still be playing these things 20, 30, in the case mm-hmm. of like 85, like nigh on 40 years ago. Nearly, 40 yeah. years ago, this game came and it still holds up. Fucking hell. Yeah, it, it really does. Like, it's so simple that it's hard to not hold up. But obviously, a lot of NES games don't, but just it's just how simple, but also precisely controlled. That's that the thing, is. yeah. It's, it's the precision that does it. Of like, you have so much minutiae over the control you have over Mario. Mm-hmm. And compared to like a lot of games where a lot of games that were platformers back in the day kind of had you commit to a jump and you when you press the jump button, that's like it. whatever your momentum was, that's locked in, you've jumped. Whereas Mario, you had that little bit of control and that bit, little bit of slidiness as well. Yeah, like that's one of those little subtle things of like you jump and you hold forward, you go just forward just a little bit quicker than you would if you mm. held backwards. Yeah, and it's it's almost unrivaled at the time in terms of how precise it was and it's one of the things it was praised for at the time as well as just, you know, everything fucking else of like the music, the game design, the levels, the creativity. Well, that's the thing. I'd, I would love, if you can get to the reception section, I would love to read dissenting reviews. Well, I, uh, I love reading dissenting. Like, there's other people out there who are like, no, what? No, this sucks. I'll who get to that in a fuckers? second. I don't know if that happened at all, but we'll find out. Um, but the interesting thing is, like, director, producer, designer, Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, designers were... Uh, Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka. Uh, then you've got uh, Toshihiko Nakago and uh, Kazuaki Morita for the programmers. And then again, artists Miyamoto Tezuka, composers, of course, Konji Kodo, uh, Koji Kondo. Sorry. And Koji Kondo just like eight made one of the greatest soundtracks of all time and then also did that another like 80 times. Like Koji Kondo, just one of the most um, well renowned composers of all the video games and that's like a thing people talk about isn't it of um when you have like the the reverence given to like classical composers like mozart and like bach and Liszt and stuff like that it's like should we like be putting people like koji kondo in in that vein should we should we be putting like john williams in that category of like creating Mm. music that has stood the test of time 
Mm-hmm. So like Mario, that original soundtrack is like nigh on 40 years old now. In 10 years' time, I, 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 I struggle to think of a world where people don't know that. That'll be mm-hmm. 50 years old. Yeah, That's lasted um, longer than some beat, like, you know, some music, like some like legendary bands don't have that kind of staying power. Also, the legend of Zelda music. Yep. Like, the dude's responsible for Mario Bros. and Zelda music. It's like two of the, you know, obviously way expanded upon now, but two of the just most seminal, memorable video game soundtracks of all time. It's like, should that person be, like, held in the same kind of regard as, like, the classical composer? I think they should. And just going through, it's just like, essentially, most Zelda games up until uh, Twilight Princess, no, Spirit Tracks and Skyward Sword there as well, Super Smash Bros. games, obviously, because of the Mario music, and then still working today on Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Mm-hmm. And the one of the most interesting things why I thought I'd mention those uh, designers there is apparently, like, three of the four programmers and designers that worked on Super Mario Bros. Yep. are part of the key team on Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Like, 30-odd years later, they're still putting out games with, like, the this core group of people while also, you know, allowing a lot of younger designers to give all of these ideas. And apparently, like, with the, the Wonder Seeds Super Mario Bros. Wonder, it was just like, if anyone has ideas, just, like, bring them forward. What's well, one yeah, of the we're thing, not gonna... Go on, go ahead. I was trying to look for like them as a composer, like their um, composing credits, mm-hmm. and just yeah, just oh yeah, like you know, obviously a lot of the Super Mario stuff, but just random stuff that they ended up doing. Like there's so many TV shows where they've got credit because they use mm-hmm. one of their songs, like, which yeah, is it's kind of crazy. Like the Punch Out, Legend of Zelda. Yeah, the fact that like they. They went on to just basically spearhead the music for the Super Mario and Zelda series. It's like, again, yeah, as I say, just two of the greatest video game soundtrack libraries of all time. Yep. You're almost untouchable at that point, aren't you? Like, what the fuck are you mm-hmm. actually going to do? Like, and they did it when they were like 20. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the, they come up with like the Super Mario's theme when they were 20 years old. And I believe the Legend of Zelda, like, Hyrule Field theme was, um, or the Overworld theme, whatever it's called at the time, um, it was originally going to be, like, Bolero, but the copyright hadn't run out on it yet. It wasn't public domain yet. So they just had to scramble together the Zelda theme. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, just scramble that one together. Just create that. I love as well, they also did sound effects for a bit, and they did the sound effects from Star Fox. Oh, that's cool. So they came up with, like, the... That's them. Um, they made PPU noises. Okay, so it has here reception. I need it now. But then also retrospective reception. See, that's the thing. I don't like... I, when you look back, it's okay, yeah. Like, you need to acknowledge the, the absolute pivotal moment this was for this entire medium. But mm-hmm. I love when you go back and you see those people like, no, no, I need to be the contrarian. Because I had this the other day when I was re- researching something for an article about everything everywhere all at once. And like... It says at the top of the page, universal critical acclaim. And then there's like one person at the bottom of like, actually, it's shit. Yeah, actually, there's one you know, dickhead out there. It's not very good. And it's like, well, it kind of, it's like, no, it's not very good. And it's like, okay, mm. cool. Sure. Yeah. Everyone else is wrong, I'm right, sure. Yeah, literally every other person who's seen it says this. But like, clearly, you noticed something they didn't. Um, so it has 
four review scores here, Carl, for at the time the okay. contemporary reception. Give it go on. And Let it's me like, I don't know who the fuck Ace is, but like Ace magazine rating it out of a thousand. Hey, that, I like a that. A thousand review points. Like, is what is going on? Out of a thousand? Okay. Um, but they gave it 955 out of a thousand. That's close. So basically as close to perfect as you can get. Um, then computer and video games gave it 95%. Um, the mach- the Games Machine UK gave it 89%. And then Top Score gave it four out of four stars, I presume, out of five. Um. So yeah, like oh no, four out of four stars. So yeah, the like the the only reviews on here are all just like, yeah, this game's pretty fucking great. And there's not many places reviewing games at the time, which is one of those things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what other games came out that year? Like 1986, did you say? Uh, so 85 in Japan, and then 87 so over here. And the worst reviews I can really find are like. The Game Boy Advance version is like a 3.5 out of 5 stars by all game and 80% by game rankings, but that's like specifically the GBA version. And I guess the only reason you get a bad review is like, well, they've not really done much to um, uh, innovate on the style. Like the cl- the classics, untouchable, but like, what have you done with the new hardware? Yeah, and like the 3DS, were, like on the 3DS Pocket Gamer gave it a 3.5 out of 5 and... GameSpot gave the Wii version an 8.3 out of 10 at the time. And it's like, I guess, like, if you're giving it a review score 20, 30 years later, like, you can ding it a little bit for its simplicity. But even then, most people are agree, like, it's simple, but it's still, like, a fucking 8 out of 10 even yeah. nowadays. And, yeah, there's the, I, there's no real coverage here that says anyone's given it, like, a negative review. Oh, I, I, I do love when you found those things that are, like, virtually... Like, you know, near universally agreed to us. There's always that one person. There's always mm-hmm. that contrarian dickhead who thinks that they spot something other people down. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, GameSpot gave the port of the GBA a 6.8 out of 10, praising the gameplay, but musing that the port's graphical and technical differences from the original version of the game prevent this reissue from being as super as the original game. So, just poor porting work. And it's like, yeah, pretty much no one is out there saying Super Mario Brothers was a bad game all along. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't think you can. But the, like that's the thing, you normally find like the one person, don't you? There's the one person who doesn't like, the example I like to use, this, it's a more modern example, but there was that very infamous review, the American version of GameSpot, I think it did, or uh, one of those like game review websites, did mm. of... Football Manager, which is a very popular game, but it's a very niche game compared to something like FIFA. Like yeah. it's not everyone enjoys the management it's, football sim. But it's literally do, a management sim game. Yeah, but, but people who do like it really, really like it. And the review gave mm. it like two out of ten. And it says like, well, why would anyone play a game about football where you can't play football? And it's like, why would anyone? It's like it's a management game. Yeah. It's like many people want to manage the game. That that's why the management game exists. It's not to play football. It's like why do you think like um roller fantasy co- football exists? Roller coaster tycoon. Why yeah, would you yeah, why would you play like, a game about roller coaster that you can't ride the roller coaster? Because sometimes it, it scratches a specific itch, and if that mm-hmm. itch isn't scratched by your mind, that's like, but I'd love those. Because you always get that one person like, well, it's not for me, and therefore I'm gonna review it from my own perspective and not consider that maybe there's people out there who aren't me. Yeah, yeah, and oh god, but yeah, uh, 
I don't think there's much to say other than like you know incredible game and like the fact that yeah there's not apart from yeah bad porting there's not anybody out there that seemingly even is willing to say Super Mario Bros isn't a great game. Well, what about retroactive reviews then? Has anyone gone back and tried to do the hot top take thing? Like, well, you know what, it, hot take. This game was never good. It doesn't seem to have any like specific scores or anything here. Okay. So I've always loved those um, as well. A lot of it is like contemporary reviews. Is just everyone being like, "Yeah, this is the greatest game of all time." And there's like, "Yeah." Um, it's just yeah. Uh, there's there's really not much other than just yeah. People are just putting it in the best games of all time lists. People didn't like the GBA port, and everyone fucking loves the game. It's yeah. Even the GBA port apparently has an aggregate of 84 on Metacritic. Fair enough. And apparently that was the bad version of the game. I was just curious, like, your way is generally, and it's more often, it's not reviewers who do things like this often, because professional reviewers usually do have the ability to view it from someone else's perspective. That's why they're mm-hmm. a professional reviewer. It's normally like you'll get like every now and again someone will be on Twitter of like hot take, Fallout New Vegas wasn't very good or something like that. And it's like, what well, yeah. it was. And it is. And it's unavoidable. It's objectively a fantastic game. You cannot like it, but you can't argue that it's not good. Yeah. It's by every metric, and might used be to like you know measure the quality of this thing. It is very good. Yeah, and like that's the thing. The, the, there may be things not mentioned, like oh, this reviewer on YouTube said it wasn't very good or whatever. But like Who in did? the Wikipedia article in front of me right here. There wasn't an example of somebody giving it a bad score. I, I do like, though, every time, because obviously I read Wikipedia a lot. So like, it's a good place to get a grounding on something. So, oh, that's an interesting mm. fact. Let's go research more about this. So it just gives you a... Like, you know, so Wiki Weekends exists. It's nice to have a, a subject that we might know very much or very little about, but it always gives that nice grounding. Yes. The ones where you can clearly tell the person who's been quoted is edited in for like a movie. Mm-hmm. Where it'll be like, you know so-and-so of the New York Times, the Washington Post. Then it'll be like, this YouTuber, and it's like, hang on. (laughs) Hang on. Notable critic, random guy with 300 subscribers, said that this was the best movie they've ever seen. Did I ever talk about that? How, um, one of the reasons... Not to say that people's opinions are invalid. We're obviously just a dumb YouTube channel as well. But, like, you can tell when, yeah, that something like a Wikipedia article or, like, uh, you know, as you say, the back of the box reviews are just pulled like the most random thing out of nowhere. I wouldn't think that my reviews of media should hold more value than anyone else's, with the exception of someone who's not as educated on films. I literally have a degree in media studies. Mm-hmm. I, I, my ability, I would say, trying to be humble about it, to analyse and deconstruct media is probably better than an average layperson on the street. And I'd mm. argue it's better than most of the YouTubers and content creators who do it because they don't have a degree. Like their ability, they usually say, "Oh, it's like it's, I think Star Wars is the best example of this." Of like people saying it's it's shit, and then usually they'll just regurgitate arguments from other people who agree with them, and it's just this like a robberus of shit of constantly just repeating and regurgitating the same points as each other, and then constantly trying to one up their ex- the extremity of them, whether it be positive or negative. That's why we said earlier in this video, nuance is dead. Yeah, and like that's the thing is, you know, say for example, uh, if we were both to watch and review the same movie, because of your experience and your um, qualifications and stuff, like you literally have more time 
spent breaking down media than I do. So you'll probably like have different insights and maybe pick up on things that I didn't. And then we have different lived experiences as well. Like we have very similar backgrounds, but even still the lived experiences we've had will inform how we view media. Mm-hmm. And, and it's w- like, you know, a lot of things are subjective, but at the same time, you know, say for example, reviewing a video game, like there are objective things you can break down, like how well is the game designed, like in terms of like, level design like we're talking about mario 1 1 of like the perfect level design and like how does the game run how does the game control how does the game sound like there are objective things that you can break down but then there's also subjectivity within that if like do you find this particular gameplay style engaging do you find this art style to be engaging and that that's the the skill of a good reviewer of balancing those two things the things that you find engaging and then getting them across to someone else and then also the things that you need to objectively look at like you know mechanical aspects mm-hmm. where like less subjectivity should be involved like the mechanical complexity and the skill with which um, uh, systems and stuff are realized and yeah it's uh turns out that pretty much everybody that has some level of degree of what they're talking about seems to agree that super mario bros Pretty damn great game. There's, there's going to be someone in the comments who's like, I, you know what, I never liked it. Completely ignoring the context of like how revolutionary it was and at the time. It's so. fu- you know what, it's fine for you to not like it. Yep. That's okay. But to then, like, it's very different to then say it's a bad game. That's the thing. People say, I don't like it, therefore it's not good. And the thing we always say is, you can like things that aren't good, and you can dislike things that are. Because that's mm-hmm. your opinion, and you can't be wrong about your own opinion. But you need to be aware of like the context with which this thing exists. Like your opinion, like you are not the avatar of reality. <laughs> like you can have like you know your opinion can have more weight to it based on whether or not you have like a specific insight into this subject. What the amount of times on the internet something is like I don't like it, therefore it's bad, or I don't. Yeah. We saw. I think we mentioned the Sonic thing. Really, like one person just really likes this series, and therefore any criticism is an attack on them. It's like no, it's not, and. You know, uh, it's very hard to look at everybody on, you know, this article going, Mario Bros is, a, like, you know, a fantastic game, one of the greatest games of all time, like, n- near universal agreement. So, like, it's hard to make the argument that it's bad. You might just not like it. Then it's, that's the thing. And that's why it gets funnier the longer it goes on. Because, yeah, our old podcast we did, I always find those hot takes and these would always crap me up. I'm like, yeah. look, look, guys, it's time we talked about um, uh, uh, Final Fantasy VII wasn't that good. <laughs> it's like, I don't like it that much, but it still like was a great RPG at the time. And yeah, we could go on about this all day, so we will leave you all there and let us know which wiki won this, this week. week. And also, yeah, if you want to see us break down media and discuss something, like next week we'll be doing that with Spider-Man 2, the video game. We will indeed. Um, yeah, just you know, again, warning that that will be full spoilers, oh, massive so spoilers. You have been warned, and we will warn you at the start of next week's podcast to remind you. But don't click on it. Get halfway through and get mad that we spoiled something. Like you, you have been warned. People always this is going to happen. I, I, I always get so baffled when stuff get someone gets mad that you spoil something when you tell them you're going to spoil it. Mm-hmm. But yes, um, I thought we'd give people a little bit of time and a bit of warning. To go ahead and get that Spider-Man finished. But thank you all for listening. And I hope everyone has a lovely day. Yes. Go out there and all have the day you deserve. Cheers. (laughs) Thank you.